Come on, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many knows we serve a mighty God? Come on, a mighty God, worthy of mighty praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I did receive just a, a, another text of, of somebody that we need to pray for, a couple of folks that we need to pray for. Uh, Sister uh, Sonia, her car is not starting, so we're going to pray for her. A lot of car trouble today for some folks. It's good to see those that made it in Jesus' name. Uh, but we also want to pray for Sister Candace and her family. They're all out sick today, uh, as well as if we could pray for my mother-in-law. Her father passed away, and we want to pray that God would comfort her. Amen. One more time, could we lift up our hands and let, let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Jesus, we give you the glory. We give you the praise, God. I pray that you would touch each and every one of those circumstances, God. Hallelujah, Lord, that you would bring about, amen, comfort, God. That you bring healing to Sister Candace and her family, God. Comfort my mother-in-law and the family. God, we pray that you would be what you said you are, the great comforter, God. Touch Sister Sonia, God. Heal and fix her car in Jesus' name so she can make it to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open, amen, to the book of Luke chapter 13 and verse number 29. Hallelujah. Praise God. Been thankful for what the Lord did this last weekend. And we're believing God for greater things even this upcoming Sunday. So you do not want to miss that service. In fact, why don't you bring somebody to the house of God. Amen. Make a special effort. I believe that in, on these kinds of services, they're real. They're really powerful. I, I know I've encountered several of these kind of services throughout my life. And uh, there's, there's just something about when people come with the mind, amen, readiness to give and to pledge and to vow before the Lord. And uh, it's in those moments God can do great things. So believe God for great miracles. Invite somebody to the house of God. Amen. Pray for Brother Wilmoth this week that he would uh, bring the mind of God to us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 13 and verse number 29. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And if you could flip open in your Bibles, we're going to flip forward to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse number 9. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. And holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, that doesn't mean weird. So don't turn to your neighbor and say you're weird. Look at them and say you're peculiar. That comes from the Greek word pecuniary, which means movable treasure. Turn to your neighbor and say you are a movable treasure. Hallelujah. You are not weird. We might be a little different, but I want to preach to somebody for a moment. We are not weird. We are not out of touch. We are not out of date. We as the church of the living God, we are a movable. Come on, the jewelers wish they could get their hands on us. We are a movable treasure. Pirates would steal us if they had the opportunity. We are a movable treasure. Somebody ought to shout. That's the way God sees you and I. Hallelujah. A peculiar people, a movable treasure, that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I just, I, I'm over already starting to teach, but that movable treasure is not noticed in the dark. But when that marvelous light hits that jewel, it begins to reflect and refract the light. And, and it shows forth as a reflection, amen, of that marvelous light. That is our job as God's movable treasure, that we are to show forth the praise of him that's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Skipping over to Matthew chapter 16 and 18. Hallelujah. We're going to get some scripture here tonight. 
Matthew chapter 16 and 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody ought to give God a shout for that. Upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that God is building. Hallelujah. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands, and let's pray for this service here today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and magnify Jesus. I pray, God, that you'd anoint me, God, to preach this word, to teach this word, that it would be a blessing to your people, a blessing to your church in the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to preach to us as you're seated on this subject, the expedition, the expedition. In the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of Ernest Shackleton. He was, during his time, one of the most famous explorers of the Antarctic. He lost a little bit of fame for about 30, 40 years until somebody heard his story and began to pin it down. Ernest Shackleton, in the early 1900s, led an expedition across the Antarctic on a boat by the name of Endurance. However, on their journey, they encountered unusually extreme weather. And before they could reach land, their boat got caught in the ice pack. And it slowly began to crush this ship into pieces. They quickly evacuated the boat with their crew and with their gear onto the sea ice. And they watched as their ship that they came to travel and to explore on began to break piece by piece. They watched helplessly and hopelessly as they knew that they were, they were currently standing on a makeshift raft called ice. That as the sun began to shine would eventually begin to melt. They knew that they were not on this expedition to build a life on this, on this melting thing called ice. But they were on an expedition. They were on a journey to try to make their way to dry land. But they began to see as the ship began to break piece by piece and the ice began to crush it apart, they took what they could from the boat. They made sure everybody got out of the boat alive. They took their, their animals and they took out the food and they took out all their gear and equipment. And this was, this was not something that they had anticipated. It was not something they planned for. It's not something anybody can plan for. This was a freak storm. And the crew began to get depressed because of the finality of their circumstance. They realized that the predicament they were in, it was certain death. They began to murmur and complain. They wanted to mutiny against Shackleton for bringing them all the way out just to die as if Ernest Shackleton had done this on purpose. Yet he calmed them, being the great leader that he was, and began to plan for their survival. He redirected their energies from mutiny. They redirected their energies from depression to finding a route for survival. They had to go through some drastic measures to continue to live. Don't want to get into all of them. There's some things that people do when they are stranded they just have to do. There was times when they ran out of food. They had to resort to other types of food. They got hungry when that ran out. They had to endure the freezing Arctic temperatures. They had to endure a long, unexpected journey full of detours and delays. And yet, at the end of this ordeal, every single one of the crew members survived. In spite of everything that they felt, 
in spite of everything that they faced, what caused them to survive this ordeal was that they stayed together. What caused them to make it through the ice, make it through the hunger, make it through the cold nights, make it through the dark times, make it through the depression, make it through all of the rockiness and all of the detours and all of the troubles, in spite of all of that, because they stayed together, they were able to make it out alive and not one person died. I came to preach to somebody about the expedition. An expedition is just what I talked about. It's a journey or a voyage undertaken by a group of people with a particular purpose, especially that for exploration, scientific research, or even that of going to war. You can see as we study the Bible, there were a lot of expeditions that were taking place. We preached about them quite a bit recently. But one of the most famous examples is that by a man by the name of Abraham. The Bible said he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, a city that had foundations. But the book of Hebrews says that he wandered not knowing where he went. He was walking the walk of faith, not knowing where he was going. But he and his family, he and everybody with him, they were on an expedition of exploration. They were trying to find the place that God had for them. Everybody's going to be in this position, amen, one time or another. I've been preaching out of this verse uh, for the last three weeks, and I felt like God uh, deposited something else uh, in my spirit, that they shall come from the east and from the west uh, and from the north and from the south, and they shall sit down in the kingdom of God. I preach about needing a map. I preach about needing the Word of God. You have to have the Word of God. If you don't have it, you'll never make it to your destination. It goes without saying, you've got to have, amen, a map in your life. You've got to have the Bible. You've got to have the Word of God that's going to direct you. Proceeded to preach about the compass. I proceeded to preach about the fact that all direction comes from the altar. And without a prayer life, you can't find what way is north, what way is south, what way is east, and what way is west. And people can't be saved if they don't have a prayer life. Hallelujah. Does anybody believe that? That you were lost and undone, but when you hit your knees to pray, it was God that began to direct you. It was God that began to show you what way to go. Amen. You've got to have an altar in your life. Without an altar, you can't be saved. We're talking about the necessities of navigation over the last few weeks. You can't be saved without the Word of God. You can't be saved without the Spirit of God. And last week, I began to preach about the navigator. You can't be saved without a man of God. If you didn't hear it, you can go listen to it on the podcast. I'm not trying to pop anything up, but you need to go over the last few weeks because if there's something this church has got to get into our spirits, I believe we have it, but we've got to put it even deeper into our spirits. We need the Word of God. We need the Spirit of God, and we need the man of God. We need the preaching. We need prayer, and we need the Word of God every single day. If we're going to make it, we got to have it all. But if our city's going to make it, we've got to put it down in the foundation of our church. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. This week I want to talk about the expedition. Our text says that they... I want you to notice that word they. The, the word they is not singular. It is not individual. It is plural. And there's going to be people that are navigating their way with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, with the man of God. But they're going to come from everywhere. They're going to come from the east, the west, the north, and the south. And they're going to make it to this place called the kingdom of God. But I came to preach to you tonight 
that there's a thing called church. And church is not an individualistic thing. It's not a singular thing. Church is something that is plural. It is not for those, amen, individuals. It is for a group called they. They in Carson City. They in Reno. They all across America. There's going to be churches made up of more than one person that are going to make heaven their home. It's going to be a group effort. It's going to be a Oh, come on, somebody. You can't be saved by yourself. you got to link up with other people and march your way towards the kingdom of God. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. The church is plural. The church has been separated together unto God, not isolated from others. I want to I help somebody here today. That the church does not preach isolation. Hallelujah. Let me help somebody. The church is not, does not preach. Come out from among them and be isolated. We're not the Amish. Amen. God save the Amish. But we're not apostolic Amish people where we just isolate ourselves because the world's so wicked and the world's so evil. It's not an isolation thing where we're going to go out and build a compound in the woods or out in the deserts of Nevada. No. What it is is God has separated us. He has called us out of darkness unto himself. And we come out, amen, as the church triumphant. We come out as the ecclesia, the called out. The church is called to be holy. It's not to be with spot or wrinkle. It's to be without blemish. It is holy. Holy, it means separated unto the Lord. Amen. That it, it means different. It means distinct. If you want to know why the church is a movable treasure, why it is peculiar, why it isn't like everything else, it's because God has called us out of this world. He has separated us unto himself that we could go back into this world with the light of God shining through us as light in a dark place where we can go into bad neighborhoods we can come on we can preach to drug dealers and we can tell them God can set you free the church is the light of the world the church is the salt of the earth the church is the answer for lost humanity somebody lift up your hands and magnify him come on let's pray for just a moment you're part of the church you're part of the church hallelujah I know there's some folks that when they think about the church, immediately they think about, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. But I want to help you here tonight. When you're part of the church, you have an opportunity at closeness with God that a sinful world cannot have. My Bible tells me that no flesh should glory in his presence. When you are lost and undone, when you are living in sin, you can't get closeness to God. We were all separated. We were all estranged. But the blood of Jesus was like a bridge, and it... And it connected uh, those of us that were addicted. It connected those of us uh, that were all messed up. It connect and we could walk over the blood of Jesus uh, and become part of the church. Uh, and we could get close to God. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. I'm talking about the church uh, that you were born into. Uh, the church... The church is not something that you can obtain by your own goodness. The church is not something that you can get based on your bloodline. But the church is something that we get a part of when we are born again of water and of spirit in the name of Jesus. you got to be born again into this church. It's not your bloodline, it's his bloodline. It's not your good works, it's his good works. It's not what you can do or what you've done, but it's what he did on that cross and in that tomb and at that day of ascension and on that day of Pentecost. Can I tell somebody, amen, when you got part of the church, amen, you joined something that isn't just on the other side of the tracks, but you joined the called out ones. You joined the ecclesia. You joined something that's got power church is the called out ones. Ecclesia literally means the called out ones. God goes throughout the city and he begins to call 
The Bible says no man can come except the Spirit draw him. God begins to work on people at the bar. God begins to work on people at the club. God begins to work on people at the Baptist church. God begins to work on people at the Mormon church. God, be, Come on, because they, they think they're part of the ecclesia, but they're not. They think they're part of the church, but they're not. Until you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. My Bible tells me if you don't have the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, if your sins have not been remitted, you're not part of the church. But I got good news for you. God's drawing people out of every, from the east, from the west, from the south, from the north. He's calling people from everywhere. you got to come out of that. you got to be born again of water and of spirit. we got to go and reach them. we got to go and tell them because God's pulling on them. God begins to pull and reach on people that from every walk of life and every mistake and every failure, and he begins to call individuals out. He calls this one. He calls that one. But when you put them together, they become the church. It's not the called out one, but it's the called out ones. You might have come from a different background than I did. You might have had a bad life or a good life. But regardless, God called us to the same place. God called us to his church. God called Call us to the people of God. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise if you're thankful to be a part of the church. The church is not just a building. Just because you slap the word church or put a little cross over your thing or whether it's a storefront or you got a steeple, it doesn't make it a church. The church is made up of people. Oh, somebody clap your hands on that. The church, hey, listen, we're, we're on our way. We're, we're donating towards a building, and we're pushing towards a building. But let me tell you, as a church, we are all about people. We're, we're all about connecting those that are in darkness and bringing them into this marvelous light. We're all about the people business, and we're trying to reach those that are lost and undone that are not part of the church, and we're trying to bring them into the church. Amen. We aren't just a building, but I want to help somebody for a moment that says, well, I don't need to go to the building. Amen. I, I, I want you to know that there's nothing like coming together with your brother and sister. There's no more encouraging thing that you can do than come together with other called out ones. There's nothing better you can do. Amen. You might be able to read your Bible at home. You might be able to pray at home. You might be able to worship by yourself. And thank God for the times you've had to do that and you made it through. But there's nothing like two or three gathering together in his name. There's nothing like the called out ones linking up and uniting and gathering together in one place, in one mind, in one accord. And it's at that moment that God begins to move on his church. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise here tonight. The church is not just a building. It is a people. So... We've got to make it up in our mind. We don't just go to church. We are the church. Church is not a place. It's an action. Which means you can, you can and, and, and I clarify, we, we come together. Which means you can have church anywhere you go. Because if you are the church, you could be at Walmart, lay hands on the sick, and they recover. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Honey, when you got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you didn't just walk into a church. You became, you became the church. And everywhere you go, it might be dark where you are, but you light up that room. It might be bland where you are, but you are the seasoning. You are the preservation. You are the salt and the light of the world, and it changes the atmosphere. I wish somebody would shout about the day God saved you. Shout about the fact that God put you in the church, made you part of the expedition of God. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. There are many that have made this expedition. If we were to go to the Old Testament, we could look at the fact there's a man by the name of Noah who God told him to build an ark. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness and eight souls, the Bible says, were saved by water. 
the like figure, even baptism doth also now save us. Lest anybody tries to tell you you don't need to be baptized to be saved. The like figure where baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God. Amen. It was Noah that built an ark. The Bible says of this ark it had certain dimensions. It had to be pitched within and without. Can I preach to this church that we aren't just about the outward, but we're not like the charismatics that would say God only cares about the inward. My Bible says if you clean the inside, then you're going to it's going to start manifesting itself on the outside. When you get regeneration on the inside, it should make a difference on the way you look, on the way you talk, on the way you act, and it ought to make a difference on the way you come to church, on the way you worship, on the way you pray. Come on, we've got a church that's clean on the inside and clean on the outside. we got a church that worships with their heart, but we got a church that worships with their body we got a church that worships with their mind and their emotions but we've also got a church that puts their their body into it that puts their physicality into it we're inside outside we got it both that ark had to be inside and outside because if you had one or the other it was unbalanced water would leak in anybody that tries to tell you you just have one without the other they're lying to you you won't make heaven your home Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. It's not just outward holiness, and it's not just inward holiness. Hallelujah. We've got to have it all. This isn't about rules and regulations. It's about saying, Lord, when the flood comes. I want to be ready. When Jesus comes back for his church, I want to be like Enoch who had this testimony. He pleased God because he walked with God. Hallelujah. The, the, the inward pitch, that's when no one sees. The outward pitch is when everybody sees. You got to have a walk with God when nobody's watching, and you got to have a walk with God when everybody's watching. You want to you make it through the trials of life and the storms of life? Uh, you got to make sure you get it on both places. Hallelujah. But it's there that Noah was told of God you build one door and one window. One door, which is indicative of one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. That there is only one way to be saved. There's only one way to get in. My Bible says if anybody else tries to come in any other way, they're nothing but a thief and a robber. In the same context, he said that's like the devil who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody who tells you there's another way to be saved, the Bible says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let them be a curse. You tell them you're a thief. You're a robber. You're a murderer. Anybody that keeps you out of heaven, they're killing your walk with God. Anybody that'll steal amen, your joy, you ought to kick them out. You ought to not listen to anybody like that. It's that one door. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door of the sheepfold. And no man comes to the Father but by me. You can't get in except through Jesus Christ. You can't get in except for I'm preaching some theology to some folks because they still got it up in their head that it's by their good works or their bad works. It is not going to be by anything that you or I do or don't do. It's going to be by the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus. And we make our way through the blood of atonement of Jesus. There's one door, but it's God that shuts the door. You can't shut the door. Jesus said, amen, I open doors no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. It was Noah that got everybody on the ark, got the animals on the ark, preached the gospel. But it was their responsibility to get on the ark. But it was God's responsibility to shut the door. I can't tell you when this whole thing is going to wrap up. I do know that the Bible says, in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That happened 2,000 years ago. So that lets me know that we are in the last of the last of the last of the last days. 
I can't tell you when Jesus is going to come back, but it could be right now while I'm preaching this word. It could be tonight. And at any moment, God could shut the door. At any moment, God could rapture his church. Amen. I want to be part of the ecclesia. I want to be part of the expedition that's going to explore heaven. I want to be part of the church. I want to be part. But what's always intrigued me is the fact that there's one window. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. Except for two very natural reasons. Number one, there's a lot of animals on that ark. And it sure stinks. Just in case you ever think church stinks, you ought to be like Noah. You ought to think about what kind of life he had to live just to be saved. Hallelujah. Before we start complaining about little things and getting over into bickers and fights over all this, that, and the other, well... You know, I'm sure, I'm sure the lions and the lambs didn't want to lay next to each other. <laughs> there, was, there was no, well, we're only going to take this group. Come on, somebody. We're going to only take the group we like. We're going to take the group that doesn't have any problems. We're going to take those that don't have sharp claws and sharp teeth. We're only going to take the lambs that, that do all this. No. My Bible says it was two of every unclean and seven of every clean. You and I don't get to pick and choose who gets on this boat. We don't get to choose their language. We don't get to choose their skin tone. We don't get to choose what kind of background they came from. We don't get to choose the habits they have. We don't get to choose the character they got. But, honey, you ought to thank God that he didn't leave you out of the boat, that he didn't leave your family out of the boat, but he opened up the door to you. He opened up the door to me. You might not like me, and I might not like you, but, honey, we're on the ark together. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, if you're in church, uh, you're in church with people that may not be like you, but we're all headed to the same destination. It stunk on that ark, but God put a window. One for air, thank God. Number two, you ever get sick of this ark, you take a look out that window, and you see all the destruction. Oh, come on, somebody. You ever get tired of coming to church because, oh, I don't want to go to church today. I don't, you know, I stub my toe and I don't really feel like it. And I, I don't know if I want to go because I don't really like brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so didn't shake my hand. And there's all these complaints. Well, I don't know. That's probably why the unicorn didn't make it on the yard. Got tired of everybody else. But, but there's people that every time they get tired, they want to jump out the window. Well, I got offended and they want to jump out the window. But God made sure you could look out that window and you'd see houses being crushed. You'd see families going through divorce. You'd see people going through sickness with no help, with no hope, with no prayers, with nothing else, with nobody to stand with them. And here you are in an ark. Here you are in a church. And God's saying, look out the window. Look out at your world. The divorce rate's over 70% in America. Every day they're, 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 they're aborting 4,000 babies in America alone. you got to look out the window and see, yes, it's messed up in there. And it might stink in here. But my worst day in the church, my worst day in the ark is still better. I wish I had somebody that believed it. My worst day and then in the church is still a thousand times better than my, worst, than my best day living for the devil, than my best day on my way to hell, than my best day. I wish I had somebody that would shout. If you're thankful to be in church, why don't you give God shout? Why don't you give God some praise? Come on, somebody needs to readjust their viewpoint. Somebody needs to take a look out the window and readjust the way they see things. I'm grateful. I'm thankful to be on this ark, to be on this expedition, to be in this church, to be a part of Apostolic Revival Center in Carson City. I'm grateful. I wish I had somebody that would shout with me. Come on, somebody shout. Ain't nothing like the church. There's nothing like the church. Nothing floats like the church. Nothing makes it through storms like the church. Nothing overcomes like the church. Nothing prays like the church. Nothing worships like the church. Nothing gives like the church. No one cares like the church. No one loves like the church. No one provides. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody lift up your hands. Come on, I got a lot here. 
But there's some folks right there. That's what you needed tonight. You need to readjust your stinking thinking. It might not look good from where you are. Change your vantage point. You may not like where you're sitting right now. Change your seat. Whatever it is, look out that window. Somebody's going to get a, a divine perspective right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody's going to get a, God wanted it there. Noah's Ark, at any moment, I could have said, I'm done. Jump ship. I'm tired of this place. In fact, that's what you see. I ain't got time for this, but that's what you see the raven do. Oh, hallelujah. I might as well go here. I, not in my notes, but let's do it. That's what the raven did. As soon as the window came open, that raven said, I'm tired. I, was, I didn't want to get in church in the first place. My parents made me come, or maybe this person tricked me into coming, and I got tired. Get, it was real stinky, and that person offended me, and, and they want to blame everybody else in the church. But when you see them fly out that window, they never come back. You know why? Because they're, they're ravaging all of the carcasses. They've gone back to the dead things. Oh, what a shame it is for some folks to get on the church to get on the ark only when they get their opportunity to fly away amen just to go back to the very things God delivered them out of can I preach to somebody you didn't get saved to be lost you didn't get on the boat to be lost you didn't get in church to be lost don't let a little bitterness send you to hell don't let a little stink send you to hell don't let a little problem send you to hell oh somebody lift up your hands Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, God didn't call you out so you could go back without light. God called you out of darkness to be the light in the darkness, not to go out and be darker than you were and more messed up than you were. God called you out because he has a plan for you. You're part of the church. I wish I had somebody that would shout. I wish I had somebody that would pray. Come on, God put you in this boat. God put you in this church for a reason. Hallelujah. I don't have time to preach everything tonight, but I do want to help somebody. Paul's on a journey. He's on a boat. A journey that he said we should not take, but they took it anyways. I preached about that last week. But the Bible says they got in a storm. And in that storm, they started throwing stuff overboard. And when that did not work, the Bible says that there were some folks that got ready to get on lifeboats and leave everybody else behind. Yep. There's some folks that, that in the moment of struggle, they're on, their, they're on the first lifeboat out. God didn't call the church to be weak. My Bible says that if, you're, if your strength fails in the day of adversity, you got little strength. It calls you a weakling in the Bible. If in the day of adversity, when things are going tough, when things are, when things are getting rough, if the first thing you want to do is buckle, amen, like a tooth out of socket or a foot out of joint, honey, the church was built for adversity. The church was built for struggle. Put us in the fire, it won't burn us. We'll come out pure as gold. Put us in the water, all you did was baptize us. Can I preach to somebody? Amen. When you're in the church, we don't run at the first sign of trouble. We don't run when everything's getting rocky. We cut the lifeboats. My Bible says, Paul said, except you abide with a ship, they can't be saved. Can I preach to somebody? You gotta burn the boats. You gotta, you gotta burn the bridge back to the world. You gotta cut the lifeboats and say, I will be saved. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether the storm is rocking, whether the ship breaks apart, whether everything falls, I'm gonna be in the church. I'm gonna be on the boat. Oh, somebody stand and lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your voice and let's pray. Come on. You were built to make it. You were built to last. You were built for adversity. You got to endure every storm. You got to endure every rock and wave. You got to burn the boats. Cut them loose. Cut them loose. I'm not running. I'm not hiding. When God put me in this church, it was permanent. Oh, somebody praise him. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. There's some folks tonight. Got to make it up in their mind. You know, if every lifeboat looks better than the boat you're on, you ain't going to stay on the boat very long. If every, 
every opportunity to walk out looks real good for you, you ain't going to make it. I wish I could preach to everybody, don't take the lifeboat, but that's just not a reality. They think by taking the lifeboat, they're going to live. But my Bible says if you don't stay on this boat, you ain't going to make it. Hey, praise God. It was the preacher that stood up and said, if you don't abide with this ship, you're not going to make it. Thank God for some sensible crew members that knew how to listen to a preacher that said, hey, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. I think the light boats seem to be a better option. But they took out their swords and they cut the light boats loose and it went off into the ocean and those boats began to crash against rocks and everybody that would have been on that boat would have died. But because they listened to the preaching of the Word of God and they stayed on the boat, they stayed in the church, they were all right. The Bible says that they all made it to shore. Some on broken boards of the ship. They listened to that preacher and they said, man, if I got to hold on to the ship to be saved. Listen, hey, I want to help, help some folks here tonight. I came to really insert something in your spirit. It doesn't really matter what happens tonight. I don't, that doesn't really bother me. Some nights that bothers me. But tonight I wanted to get down in our spirit uh, that if anything were to happen to me, uh, you keep living for God. We don't believe in preacher worship around here. If anything happened to me, you keep serving God. Hold on to that board. If your best friend leaves the church, you don't go with your best friend. You hold on to the board. If everybody you love in the church walks out, you hold on to the church. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you've got to have the determination that says, I hold on to what little bit I got left. If there's only three people left in the church, you hold on. If there's 5,000 and you don't get to sing anymore, you don't get to do anything, you hold on. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, God put you in the church. God made you the church. Come on, you might be the board somebody's hanging on to, but you you keep floating, honey. You keep floating. You might be the board a sinner's holding on to because they can't swim on their own. You keep floating and doing your job. You might be the only one serving in your department. But you're the church. You might be the only one that can play that instrument, but you play that instrument. You might be the only one that can do this, that, or the other, but you do it because there's other people that are holding on to your life. There's other people that are saying, this church is going to save me. There are families connected to a church being the church. There are families and lives connected to a boat being a boat, to an expedition being an expedition, to a church being a church. There's negatives. There's negatives to being in church. You better believe it. I'm a very real preacher. Yeah, there's negatives. The Bible says that there was divisions in the church, but they stuck together. There were attacks on the church. Herod, Paul, even even the Caesars and Nero tried to kill the church, but the church kept going. Rome made laws against the church. The Bible would say and history would teach us that even Nero would light his garden with Christians. Nations would persecute the church. The religious would persecute the church. The devil tried to stop the church. Idol makers tried to kill the preachers and kill the church. Witches tried to stop the church. False doctrine tried to creep in. And, and, and stop the church. False brethren showed up to try to stop the church. They're dead and gone. Those, those places don't even exist anymore. But I want to tell somebody, the church is still right here. But before we leave on what, what the negatives could be, let me tell somebody, there's some positive. You know, in the church, there's edifying in the church. God adds not to individuals. God adds to his church. The Bible says there's prophecy in the church. 
In other words, you can come to church and get a word from God. Jesus, the Bible says, gave himself, uh, not just for individuals, not just for the world, but my Bible says God gave himself for the church. My Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. You can build, you can build your family on the church. My Bible says that there's healing in the church when you call for the elders of the church. My Bible says that the last prophecies that God ever spoke in the book of Revelations went to the church. You can't miss church because God's going to speak to you. My Bible says that Peter was in prison. You know how Peter got free? The Bible says that the church never saw free him, never ceased praying to God for him. My Bible says that Jesus is the head of his church. When you're not in church, you don't have headship. But when you're in church and Jesus is the head of your life, he protects you. He defends you. He is everything. Preacher, I don't know. It's hard where I am. Jerusalem, to the church of Jerusalem, that's where the church started. They had arguments. They had councils. Some decided to depart from one another but still be part of the church. It was there in Jerusalem it started persecution. Families got tore apart in Jerusalem. Did you know there's a church in Jerusalem? Thessalonica. They had all sorts of persecution. People were being ripped out of their families. People being ripped out of their homes. They pulled a man by the name of Jason. Do you know what they said of Jason? He turned his world upside down. Because there was a church in Thessalonica. Ephesus is a place where Paul faced a spiritual beast. But guess what? One of the largest churches in history was there in Ephesus. Laodicea, we know him as being lukewarm. But did you know at the end of it all, there was still a church in Laodicea. There was a church in Antioch where they were called Christians first. But you know how they were created and called Christians? Because they forgave Paul for ripping their families apart at Antioch. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, to the church... At Babylon, the very birthplace of idolatry, there was some church members that said, we're going to serve God even in Babylon. My Bible says to the church in Caesar's house, Nero, who would kill Christians by the thousands, there was people that would serve God, and they would have a church even as slaves in Nero's home. And finally, to the church in his house, to the church in her house, to the church in their house. That's in your Bible. Some churches weren't even big enough to get outside of a home. But regardless of the size, there was a church. Can I preach to you for a moment? There will be a church in Carson City. Can I preach it even better? There is a church in Carson City. I wish I had somebody to clap their hands. You and I are the church in Carson City, and we're not defeated. We are triumphant. Somebody lift up your hands. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? I just wanted to treat you a little bit to some folks. When God saved you, he put you on an expedition with a group of other people. It's called the church. It's called the church. And on this expedition, we're going to win new people. On this expedition, we're going to see people saved. On this expedition, we're going to see new territory. In this expedition, we're going to see miracles we've never seen. Blessings we've never seen. We're going to fight battles. And we're going to wage wars. And we will win as the church. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. Somebody pray. Come on, are you thankful to be in the church? Come on, are you thankful for your church? 
Not the church on Instagram, not the church in another state. I'm talking about are you thankful for Apostolic Revival Center in Carson City? Are you thankful for your church? I know I am. Come on, are you grateful that God put you in a body of believers, that he put you in the ecclesia, that he called you out? Somebody give God praise and gratitude for the church. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up your voice. You're part of the church. You're part of something special. You're part of something powerful. You ought to give it your all. You ought to give it your all. Come on. Run this race. Run this race. Come on, somebody pray in the name of Jesus. There's some folks you got to cut the life rafts out of your life and say, God, you put me. There's some folks you got to grow where God planted you. And you got to sprout and spring forth as a root out of dry ground. You got to let God make you blossom in the desert in the name of Jesus because you're part of the church. Somebody pray. I believe in this atmosphere somebody can get healed. I believe in this atmosphere somebody can be blessed. Come on, you're part of the church. Miracles are in the church. Healings in the church. Come on, blessings are in the church. Come on, the lame can walk in the church. Somebody go ahead and worship him. somebody pray with them why don't you find somebody and pray with them come on we are the church we are the church come on there's no more powerful force on earth than the church there's no more blessed entity in the world than the church there's no more culture shifting and shaking entity than the church come on somebody pray